The following message is brought to you by the teaching and preaching ministry of the Ambassador Baptist Church and Pastor Joshua Ermler. We're going to take a break from our series, The God Who Builds, where we're going verse by verse through the book of Nehemiah. And I just want to take one week and speak on the subject of a mother's hope from Exodus chapter number two, verse number one. So if you have your Bibles, take them, turn to Exodus chapter number two. We'll be reading verse number one through verse number five here in just a few moments. For those of you who are physically able, I'd like to invite you to stand as we read from our text here this morning. Exodus chapter number two, we'll begin in verse number one. The word of God says in Exodus chapter number two and verse number one, and there was a man of the house of Levi. Now, according to Exodus chapter number six, we're going to find out that this man's name is Amram, and it says, and took to wife a daughter of Levi, we're going to find out later that her name is Jochebed. How many of you are thankful that is not your name, all right? And so Amram, Jochebed, verse number two, and the woman conceived and bare a son. We're going to see the son's name was Moses. Many of you are familiar with Moses. He was the man that God chose to lead the children of Israel out of slavery uh, during the time of Pharaoh in Egypt. The Bible says in the middle of verse number two, And when she, Jochebed, saw him, Moses, that he was a goodly child, she hid him three months. It's kind of interesting. If you liked your child, why would you hide them? I'll give you some context for that in a moment. And when she could could no longer hide him, she took for him an ark of bulrushes, dabbed it with slime and with pitch, and put the child therein. And she laid it in the flags by the river brink, or in the reeds, verse 4. And Moses' sister stood afar off to wait as to what should be done to him. And the daughter of Pharaoh came down to wash herself at the rivers, and her maidens walked along by the riverside. And when she saw the ark among the flags, she sent her maid to fetch it. I want to speak on this subject of a mother's Hope. We're going to look at Jochebed's hope and where her hope was founded on, but before we do that, let's begin with a word of prayer. Dear gracious and heavenly Father, Lord, we love you, and we're so thankful for all the many blessings that you've given to us. For many of us in this room, our mothers were an incredible blessing, and for that, we thank you. For others of us, Lord, maybe the relationship that we had with our mom was distant or maybe cold. And Lord, in moments like these, it can be difficult. There are many reasons why a day like this, Lord, can conjure up feelings of celebration as well as feelings of disappointment. But Lord, we pray for every lady in this room, Lord, that you would just show yourself to them to be the God of all grace. I pray that you'd meet with us as we have a Bible study on this subject of hope I pray that you would use it to minister to our hearts and lives. We pray in Jesus' name, amen, and you may be seated. 
How many of you uh, married women remember when you found your wedding dress? How many of you remember this moment? And nobody, nobody remembers this. Raise your hand real quick, all right? All right, some of you remember that time when you were out there looking for the perfect wedding dress to wear. I know in my situation with Jenny, uh, she really wanted to make sure that she found just the perfect wedding dress. Any of you ladies like that? You had yet an idea of what kind of dress you wanted and what you were looking for. And in her case, she had scouted a lot of different shops looking for that perfect wedding dress. And finally the day came where she found it. She was super excited. Uh, at the time she was living in Indiana. I was still out in California. She called me up. She said, I found it. It's the perfect wedding dress. It's going to be beautiful and awesome. And so she went to have it fitted so it would be ready for the wedding day. And, and uh, she was so excited about that wedding dress. And one day uh, she was in the kitchen and uh, Her mother called for her. It was just a couple of days before the wedding ceremony. And uh, her mom said, hey, you've got to see this. And she made her way into the living room and they were watching the television. And on the television was a news story that was going on. The local news was doing a story. And the story revolved around a wedding dress shop that had uh, gone bankrupt. And in the midst of this wedding shop going bankrupt, the owners had decided in order to kind of just, you know, get out with the money they could, they took all the dresses in their store and sold them all, try to pay off some debt, try to run off with the cash, and just really left all of these brides totally stranded. So this news story where these brides who are about to be married in a few weeks, literally just in tears as they were watching this news story about how this shop had closed, and now they didn't have a dress to wear for their wedding ceremony and as they're watching this story jenny looks closer and she sees in the background it was the exact same store that she had bought her wedding dress from she tried to call the number she tried nothing they went down there sure enough it was shut down and her dress was nowhere to be seen just a few days before her wedding. Can you imagine just how hopeless she would feel in that moment? She called me up and she was like crying. I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't have a wedding dress, you know, and I'm, you know, as a future husband, I'm trying to practice at this thing, you know, I'm like, it's going to be all right, honey. You, you, you wore a really pretty dress at church last week. I'm sure that one will be uh, just fine, you know, and of course, as you can imagine, that did very little to console her, you know, I was thinking, Well, you know, you always see those wedding dresses at thrift stores. How many of you, you know, that was not a good idea. There was literally no good place to go. And everything I was trying to do to console and bring hope to the situation fell totally flat. Have you ever been in a situation like that where it didn't seem like no matter what happened, there was, there was, it was, you were just in a hopeless situation? Like, it didn't matter what you did or what you said. The situation was just absolutely, completely hopeless. How many of you have ever been there before? (laughs) Maybe not in a similar situation, but have you ever felt hopeless in your marriage? Have you ever come to a place, maybe in your relationship with your family, your children, your parents, and have you ever come to a place where you just felt hopeless in the midst of that situation? Maybe at your career, in your career, everything was going well, and all of a sudden you got news that they were thinking about maybe putting some layoffs, and and all of a sudden the situation became hopeless. What I want to remind you of today is simply this, that even in the most difficult seasons of life, there is hope. 
I'll tell you the rest of the story a little bit later on in the service, but the reality is no matter what you find yourself in, no matter what situation you find yourself in, based on the authority of the Word of God, I want to remind you today that there is hope for you. If you're struggling in your marriage and you just, it feels totally hopeless, I want to remind you today, there is hope for you. Maybe you're struggling in your spiritual life, in your emotional state, and you're just really wrestling relationally, and you're like, you feel like, how have I gotten here spiritually? I want to say to you, based on the authority of the Word of God, there is hope for you. Maybe you're in a situation with your career, with your finances, and you're trying everything you can to pull, make ends meet and pull things together and it just seems like the entire situation is hopeless. But I want to remind you today that in Christ, there is hope. This morning, I want you to see three stages of hope that all of us will have to go through in our lives from Exodus chapter number two. Let's begin reading in the middle of verse number two of chapter number two. The Bible says this, and the woman... We found out that her name was Jochebed here, conceived and bare a son. Now, we'll take a quick break. If, if you're one of those who like a little uh, irrelevant biblical information that really won't help you a lot, but it's interesting to know, if you go to Exodus chapter number 6, you'll find that Amran, this is Moses' dad, actually married his dad's sister. He married his aunt. All right, so for those of you who didn't know that, which made Moses and his dad technically cousins, all right? I'll let you kind of think about that one for a little moment. You say, Pastor, why did you share that with us? I have absolutely no clue, but I thought I'd throw it out there, let it be what it is, all right? It has nothing to do with the sermon, but now you know. The Bible says in verse number two, the woman conceived and she bare a son, Moses. Now, in ancient biblical times, the birth of a son was a, it was a sign of blessing. If you had a son in ancient times, it means you would have somebody to carry on the family name. You would have somebody to carry on your lineage. And that was a, that was a big deal in those days. It, it was a sign that you were esteemed by the God. It, it, had, it kind of conjured up a place of honor. And so when uh, Jochebed found out that she was having a son, that would have been a very honorable thing. It would have been a very special thing for her. It, it really was a big deal. Much like it's a big deal in our day and age, it was even a bigger a deal in that day and age to have a son. So you teenage guys up here, I just want to remind you, whenever you know, your parents are getting a little bit like, well, what's going on? Do you just tell them, hey, Dad, I'm a blessing. You know, Mom, I'm a blessing. All right, you just let them know that. Jacob, remember that, okay? All right, you're a blessing. Now, in, in biblical times, to have a son, that was a, that, was a, that was a blessing. That was an honorable thing. And so that leads us to our first thought this morning, and that's this. Hope is born. Hope is born. Here for Jochebed, she was finding out, I'm going to have a son, and a son was born, and all the things that would go along with having a son, and all the hope that would well up within her, and it's a, it's a wonderful thing when situations and circumstances and, and uh, things come to pass that really ignite our hope. Uh, maybe you've been in situations and you got some good news. Maybe your boss called you into the office and he gave you some good news. You're getting a promotion. You're getting a raise. Situations and circumstances were such that it caused your heart to be filled with some hope about the future. 
maybe you found yourself in a situation where your hope was more of a wishful sort. You just kind of hoped something would come to be. Uh, how many of you have been in a situation where you just kind of hoped that you would be the one to win that million dollars in that whatever sweepstakes or whatever prizes McDonald's was giving out in some competition they've had? I think all of us have been in situations where we kind of crossed our fingers and, and hoped that life would get better. And yet, this idea of hope that the, that the Bible speaks of is, is very different than the type of hope we tend to think about today. You see, the modern idea of hope is more like a wish. It's more like a, uh, an expectation. But, but really, our modern idea of hope uh, doesn't really have much certainty of fulfillment to it. it it's just kind of a pie-in-the-sky idea. It's just kind of a wish It means to desire much, but with no real assurance of getting what you desire. That's that's kind of the modern idea of hope. So, like I remember on one occasion when my son was four years old, he's like, Dad, for Christmas I'm I'm wishing for a tiger. Tiger, really? Yeah, I'm just wishing for a tiger. How many of you understand that it wasn't going to happen? And in no situation was he going to end up with a tiger in the little box when he opened it up for Christmas. You see, it was just wishful thinking. But even as adults, as Christians, we can kind of begin to get that idea of hope. We, man, I, I hope God does this for me. I'm wishing. And it's this kind of real abstract idea. But when the Bible speaks of hope, it's speaking of something very different. A biblical understanding of hope is a, it's a confident expectation. It's a certainty that what God has promised will be done. It's not just wishful thinking. It's a certainty in the promise and the word of God. That's why the scriptures declare in the book of Job, chapter number 11 and verse number 18, it says, and thou shalt be secure. Job, how, how do we know we can be secure? He says this, because there is hope. Your health prognosis might not give you reason to hope. The family dynamics in your life might not give you any reason to hope. As you look at your bank account, it might not give you a reason to hope. It might not make you feel secure. As you look at what's happening in our country... As you look on the news, it might not give you many reasons to hope. But as we see in Job chapter number 11, we can be secure. We can feel safe. Why? Because there is hope. I'm going to throw this on the screens because I want you to dwell on it for a moment. True hope is a form of divine trust. It's not just wishful thinking. It demonstrates to God that we believe that he is in control even in the dark times. And that he's working all things together for his glory and for our ultimate good. So we see in this passage, hope is born. This is the hope of a mother, a mother by the name of Jochebed. And she finds out she's got a son. But not only do I see in this passage, hope is born. Let's keep moving on. Notice at the end of verse number two, it says, And the woman conceived and bare a son... And when she saw him, that he was a goodly child, she hid him three months. 
Now, that's a really curious thing to do when you find out you have a son. I don't think any of you have done that. You had the baby. All of a sudden, you looked at it. Oh, what a beautiful baby. I'm going to hide it so nobody can find it. (laughs) It's a little strange. Why is Jochebed doing this? What's the context of this story? Well, in order to get the context, we have to go back to Exodus chapter number 1, verse number 22. The Bible says Pharaoh, so Pharaoh would have been like the king of Egypt. The king of Egypt charged all the people saying... Every son that is born ye shall cast into the river, and every daughter ye shall save alive. So the king of Egypt, Pharaoh, he wanted all the Jewish boys that were born to die. Say, why? Well, as the Israelites had moved into Egypt, they were starting to overpopulate, and now there were more of these Israelites, there were more of these Jews than there were of even the Egyptians. And Pharaoh was afraid they might take over the city, and so he told the midwives, the, the nurses of Egypt, he said, hey, if one of those Israelites, one of those Jews, have a baby boy, I want you to kill it. Well, they refused to do that, and so he makes a mandate now, not just to the midwives, but he tells all the families, if you have a baby boy, you've got to put it to death. Which is why now, in verses number two, when Jochebed finds out she has a son, she's nervous because she knows what the law is. She needs to kill her son. She doesn't want to do it. So what the Bible says is she goes and she hides him. So the Hebrews here were very scared about what was taking place, which all brings us to our next thought this morning, and that's this. Not only do we see hope is born, number two, I want you to see that hope is battered. Hope is battered. Have you ever been in a situation before where something happened and it it started to make you feel hopeful? Maybe, Maybe you met that person and you thought, this is it. I'm finally going to get married. This is going to be awesome. It's going to be beautiful. It's going to be wonderful. This person's going to change my life. Hope was born. Hope was ignited. And and you got really excited about the potential of what your future was going to look like with that person. And hope just started igniting in in your heart. Maybe you kind of got wind in the office that they were thinking about maybe giving you that next raise or that next promotion and they were going to move you up the corporate ladder, so to say. And, and you kind of heard the rumors that they were talking about you and that hope began to stir a little bit. You started getting a little, a little bit excited or, or, or maybe the situation was different. Maybe, maybe you heard in the financial realm or in your health realm, you know, some good things were coming down the pike and then all of a sudden something happens. Telephone calls, comes. All of a sudden, you find out you didn't get chosen. All of a sudden, now in this moment, that person that you thought was going to make your life perfect ended up not making your life so perfect. And you find that your hope now is being battered. That's what we find in Exodus chapter number 2. Let's keep reading verses 3 and 4. And when Jochebed could no longer hide him, she took for him an ark of bulrushes. Basically, she made a basket, okay, Um, the Bible says. And she dabbed it with slime, with pitch, and put the child in. And she laid it in the flags or in the reeds by the river bank. And Moses' sister stood afar off. Her name was Miriam. 
And she wit what would be done to him. She's, they're trying to figure out, all right, this is it. Pharaoh wants this little boy dead. Now they're nervous. Their hope is being battered. All of a sudden, they're wondering if Moses is going to survive. And the daughter of Pharaoh, verse 5, came down to wash herself at the river. Oh, no, could it get any worse? I mean, we're trying to hide the little baby and all the bad luck, right? Pharaoh's very own daughter goes to the very place where they're trying to hide this little baby so he doesn't have to be killed or murdered, the Bible says. And her maidens, the maids of Pharaoh's daughter, walked along the riverside. And when Pharaoh's daughter saw the ark, the basket among the flags, the reeds, she sent her maids to fetch it. Could you imagine how Moses' sister and Moses' mother must have been feeling at this moment? Oh, no. Here, hope was born. There was hope of a better future. Here's the son. It's going to be great. And all of a sudden, no, we've got to hide him. Pharaoh's wanting him dead. And to make matters worse, now they find themselves in a situation where Pharaoh's very own daughter is literally right there where they're trying to hide little baby Moses. And you can just imagine how they're biting their fingernails, wondering how this is all going to work out, knowing that maybe in just a moment that baby is going to be drowned under the water or stabbed with a knife. And here they are wondering, just literally on the edge of their seats, wondering what's going to happen. Have you ever been there before? Have you ever been in a situation where it looked like things were going to go well and that hope was born, it was ignited, and then all of a sudden, everything that you hoped for, everything that you were anticipating, everything you were expecting to happen, it was like everything goes opposite. And in a moment, the situation changes, the relationship changes, the financial situation changes, your business changes, something hits you out of nowhere, and your hope starts getting battered, it starts getting beaten, and the hope slowly begins to fade away, and you're left with a whole bunch of just disappointment. Some of you have experienced this spiritually. You had so much hope for your spiritual future. You were so excited. Here you finally had Christ in your life and he was going to make everything perfect. And then situations and circumstances come and all of a sudden the hope that you had in God now is beginning to diminish. It's beginning to fade as life just begins to beat up on your dreams. Begins to beat up on your expectations. And your hope begins to diminish. I know we've had several folks in our church and that hope just attacks them. Literally in the last week, uh, we've had ladies in our church who have become mothers again. They brought a new baby into the world. Cassie? We have ladies in this room who this week had to stand next to their mother as mom passed away. Cindy? You see, we've all had seasons where our hope is diminished. Hope is battered. Hope begins to fade away. We have some folks in this room right now, and they're so desiring to have a child, a lady who desperately wants to be a mother. And yet, as of this moment, God's not allowed it. And the disappointment and the discouragement that comes with that. And your hope just begins to fade. There's some ladies in this room right now, and more than anything, you just want to be married. 
You want to find that guy who will just take care of you and support you and love you. And it seems like, man, every once in a while, maybe this will be the person or that will be the person. And then it just, it seems like every time you end up just getting hurt and your hope fades. And you convince yourself, well, maybe in the next person, maybe in the next relationship, maybe the next time they give out raises, maybe the next time they dish out promotions. Maybe something in my circumstances, something in my situation will change and and it'll finally make it better. And if my situation changes, then maybe spiritually I can get back on track and financially I'll get back on track and emotionally relationally I can get back on track. And you're just hoping that the situation, the circumstances come together the way you're hoping that it will so then your life can get back to normal and you're looking at circumstances and situations and people to restore your hope. That's not how it works. Lamentations chapter number three, verse 26 says this. It is good that a man should both hope and quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. It is actually a good thing for you to be having to go through moments where you're wondering how it's all going to work out. The Bible says it's good that a person should have to hope and and quietly wait and wonder, God, what are you doing here? Hope was ignited. You allowed hope to be born. You, You put an expectation in my heart for a relationship, for some future good in my life, and and now situations and circumstances are turning against me, and I'm wondering, God, what in the world are you doing in my health? What are you doing in my relationships? What are you doing in my heart? And you're there, and you're just having to quietly wait for God to save you, for God to come through, and you're just lonely. And God says, this is a good thing. It's good that a man should both hope and quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. You say, why is that? Because many of us, here's what we want to do. We want to anchor our hope to something on this earth. Something in our life, some person in our life, some situation, some circumstance, and we've convinced ourselves if, if this situation will just go that way, or if that circumstance will just turn out like that, or if this person will just end up being what I need them to be, then my hope will be restored and everything will be good, and yet, my friend, it's an illusion. No person will ultimately be able to give you the hope and the joy and the peace that your soul desperately craves. And so God, in his uncomfortable grace, oftentimes allows you to go through relationships that hurt. And he allows you to go through health situations and situations and circumstances that maybe don't make sense and allow the financial tension and pressure to be there. Why? Because he hates you? No. Because he so desperately wants you to understand that even if the situations in life and the circumstances in life and the relationships in life went exactly the way you wanted them to go, you would still lack that deep peace and joy and love that your soul so desperately craves. And so God, in his tender mercy and in his uncomfortable grace, puts you in a situation where you have to just quietly wait and hope that God comes through 
Because in that moment, when God comes through and restores your hope, it won't be because he changes a situation or changes a circumstance or changes a person. He's going to give you hope that is from a deeper source. And that's the very spirit of God. And in that moment, you'll realize that it's not a relationship that's going to give you hope and peace and joy and love. And it's not a certain amount of money in the bank account. And it's not a health prognosis. It's not any of those things in the world that ultimately will stir up your hope. God wants to remind you that hope and joy and love and the fruit of the Spirit come from a place of an abiding relationship with God. And He's willing to allow you to go through difficult circumstances so you don't begin to believe the lie and chase the pipe dream that if I just get this to go my way, then everything in my life will be the way I want it. God loves you too much to believe, to allow you to believe that lie and to run out after that illusion. And so he allows you to get through moments and allows you to go through situations where your hope is being battered so he can reveal to you that there is a deeper hope than can be found in situations and in circumstances. And that is a hope that is anchored to the very spirit of God. That's the gift that he wants you to enjoy. That's the gift he wants you to experience. Hope is born. Hope is battered. And then lastly, let's notice verse number five. The Bible says at the end here of verse five, and when she saw the ark, the basket among the reeds, this is Pharaoh's daughter, she sent her maids to fetch it. What's going to happen? Verse six, and when Pharaoh's daughter opened the basket, (laughs) she saw the child, and behold, the babe began to weep. And she had compassion on him. Rather than turning the baby over to her dad so he could kill him, her heart went out to this child. As you continue reading, you're going to find that she literally now wants to make this child her very own. She wants to adopt this child. And the sovereignty and providence of God put it on her heart to take care of this child. And now this young Moses, who would have grown up in a a slave household, now is going to get all the resources and education and time and energy that only a king could provide. And to 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 make it even better, as Miriam was standing there in the reeds, And she sees Pharaoh's daughter holding baby Moses. She runs out and says, hey, I know of somebody who could nurse the baby for you. And Pharaoh's daughter says, okay, sure, work it out. And so Miriam, Moses' little sister, runs home to mom and says, mom, here, Pharaoh's daughter wants you to nurse your baby. And God worked it all together for good, which leads us here to our final point, and that is this. Yes, there are moments in life where hope is born. But it doesn't seem like too long after hope is born that eventually our hope begins to get battered. Our dreams begin to get shattered. The hope begins to fade. The faith begins to diminish. And it's in that moment where God can come in and do the miraculous and we see hope is built up. Psalm chapter number 38 verse 15 says this, For in thee, O Lord, 
do I hope. In thee, God, I, I'm hoping in you. If you're here today and you're putting your hope for your future and you're putting it into a relationship, I'm going to let you know eventually it's going gonna, it's gonna to fail you. That person is going to let you down. If you're here today and you're married, I'm going to tell you this. Your spouse is human. They were born into a broken, flawed world. And your spouse will, at some point, disappoint you. It's not that it might happen. It's not that it could happen. It will happen. It's part of being in a broken, flawed world. If you're here today, there will be seasons where you will go through financial brokenness. And there might be seasons where your health goes through brokenness. Why? Because we live in a sin-cursed world. And there is no avoiding the curse. That doesn't mean that there won't be raindrops of blessing. But to try to navigate your life to where everything goes perfect and everything goes your way is a pipe dream. It's an illusion that people chase after that can never come to pass. It's better than hoping in circumstances and situations and money and relationships and people. Rather than putting your hope in them, God says, hey, put your hope in me. You put your hope in God, you have access to a source of joy that's unspeakable and full of glory, the scriptures say. You put your hope in God and you have access to a peace that passes all understanding. Even in moments where it won't make sense, God will usher in that peace. Even when the relationships are falling apart. And even when it seems your marriage is kind of coming apart at the seams. And you don't have enough money and you're wondering if God's going to give you a child. And you're trying to figure out how your future is going to work. And if spiritually everything's going to come together. If you hope in God in those moments, he can give you the peace and the joy and the love that you so desperately crave because at the end of the day why you think you want more money and you think you want a perfect spouse and you think you want a bigger car and a nicer house and more money and more success and more fame what your soul ultimately craves is just peace and joy and to be loved and to be able to love That is what your soul deeply wants. But we miss out on it every time we look to lesser things than an abiding relationship with God to provide that. And so the enemy dangles the proverbial carrot out in front of us, telling us, if you just get that child, then everything's going to be perfect. And if you just get married, or if you just get that guy to be your boyfriend, or that girl to be your girlfriend, then everything's going to be better. And I'm here to tell you this. For a moment, it'll make you feel good, but in the long run, it is God and God alone that ultimately satisfies the deepest longings and cravings of your soul. And when you have that right, God works out the other elements. I'm going to put this on the screen because I think it's important to kind of wrap this up with. Hope. Hope is a form of holy rebellion. A holy rebellion that refuses to believe the best days are just a past and distant memory. Hope is the conviction that the best is yet to come as long as we have the courage to keep dreaming, the courage to keep praying, the courage to keep hoping, and the courage to keep working for that which matters most. 
Maybe there's some in here and you just need to lean into that holy discontentment and stir up that holy rebellion that believes that the best is still yet to come with God. Not from circumstances, not from situations, but from an abiding experiential enjoyment of the creator of the universe. That is your hope. So to kind of finish up the story, as Jenny got the news that she wasn't going to have that wedding dress, and just literally the, the hope began to fade very quickly. She made the phone calls. Nobody was answering. She went down to the shop, boarded up. What in the world? Began to try to make some plan Bs. She went home days before the wedding ceremony, and one day she was at her house, and they got a phone call, and uh, the lady on the other line said, is Jenny, Jenny Stinson here? That was her maiden name. Jenny grabbed the phone. She said, the lady on the other line says, you don't know who I am, but I'm a seamstress in town. I do alterations, and sometimes every once in a while I do an alteration on a wedding dress. She said, I had a wedding dress in my shop with your name on it, and recently I heard about what happened at the wedding dress shop down the road, how they had sold off all of the dresses, and I began to go through my dresses, and I realized that that same shop had sent a couple of dresses to my shop to, to be seamed up, to be altered. She said, I was going through those, and I found a couple of these dresses, and one of them had your name and your phone number on it, and she said, uh, she said, Uh, did you have a dress with that shop? Jenny said, yes. The lady says, well, I've got it for you. And it's all hemmed up, ready to go for the ceremony. In a similar way, that's an illustration of how God restores hope. Now, in your situation, it might not pan out in that manner. But I want to remind you of this. That God will always restore hope, and sometimes he does it through circumstances. And sometimes he'll do it through people like a spouse or a mother. And oftentimes he'll restore your hope as you just keep your heart and eyes fixed on him and him alone. So regardless of where you find yourself in life, I want to remind you today that there is hope. So here's our takeaway this morning. Embracing the promises of God always gives us reason to hope. Your spouse may not give you a reason to hope. Your children may not give you a reason to hope. Your financial bank accounts may not give you a reason to hope. But God will always give you a reason to hope. So fix your heart on the promises of God and He and He alone will never let you down. Thank you for listening to this message brought to you by the teaching and preaching ministry of the Ambassador Baptist Church. If this message was a blessing to you, please consider leaving us a review or sharing the message on social media. Thanks once again for tuning in.